I hope you have your Bibles. I'd love for you to join me in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 28, or excuse me, 29, Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18. Just continuing uh, the sermon that we had last week, uh, my stars, how the Lord showed up in the 11 o'clock hour last week during the invitation. I do want to say to you, I'm preaching to you this morning at a disadvantage. Uh, I'm asking for a little bit of grace today. You'll notice that I don't have my glasses on. There's a good reason why I don't have my glasses on. Uh, for Christmas, I bought my uh, kids a dirt bike. Now, I don't know why you're laughing. You hadn't heard the whole story yet. It upsets me just a little bit, but... Uh, at any rate, so um, first day we got it, uh, had to replace the carburetor on it. That'll bless your heart. And then, uh, so yesterday, the first sunny day that we've had, man, we got out there and we rode it yesterday morning. Had a great, great time. Uh, boys learned how to do that. It's a 125cc. Just a, a great little little motor dirt bike that can really just have a fun time on it and everybody was doing doing very very well and day was over we were done for the morning we were ready to go back inside and so I said well I'll take it down to the garage take it back to the garage and uh, we were up on the uh, up on our property up by the goat pen and so I got on the dirt bike and uh, it was still really 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 wet and really mushy yesterday morning and uh, so I was coming down a little hill and uh, put the brakes on and when I put the brakes on the brakes worked <laughs> tire stopped <laughs> but the, it just kept on going at him and as it kept going it kind of slid out from under me and uh you know so uh the only thing i remember is i was rolling like 360s i was doing 360s and every pass i could see my children running <laughs> towards me and i rolled over my glasses and and all that but uh, uh anyways we had a good time so i don't know if you're if you're keeping score some of you're saying all right, so wasn't it last year you bought that little scooter, that little stand-in hoverboard for your kids, you know, and you rode around on that, and I got on that and fell off and thought I was dying? I mean, I really, for a few seconds, I thought I saw the light. I mean, I really, really thought I was dying. And um, uh, so John Grady tells me, he says, Dad, he says, I don't know, but it seems like every gift you get us, you get on it, you get hurt. And so John, he's 12 now, he says, Will you please quit playing with our toys? <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I appreciate your grace today. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18. Uh, we just simply said this, if you're our guest today, we're talking about vision. What's the vision that we have for 2019 here at Maysville Baptist Church? And uh, if we have a vision, then we got to make sure that we have a plan to accomplish that vision. And uh, just simply said last week that the Lord has laid six things on my heart, six things that I really want us to focus on for 2019. These six things that the Lord's really pressed on my heart to share with you. I shared three of them last week and I want to share three of them this week. Now some of you weren't here last week and you didn't hear those three so I'd like to give them to you in review. So there'll be a grand total uh, of six things that you'll have for Vision 2019. And I've challenged you to put it up on your refrigerator and be uh, thinking about these things and focusing on these things uh, so that we might see God do even greater things this up and coming year. And uh, the first thing we said last week, just by way of review, we said that we were going to pray daily, to pray 
daily. Now, those that heard the message, you've already had a week of prayer, and I want to thank you so very much for praying for those areas that we mentioned. As a matter of fact, we mentioned five areas that if you're just hearing this message, I'd love for you to join me in these five areas of pray, prayer, prayer every single day. I need you to pray for these five things. Now, some of them will uh, accomplish through time, just the natural course of time. We will accomplish them, and then we'll add other things. But the five things I need you to focus with me on prayer every day are these. Number one, our Sunday school. Help me pray for our Sunday school. We are praying together that each Sunday school class reach one more for their class. Add one more to their Sunday school class. Uh, and uh, I loved what Alan Hatcher prayed last Sunday night. He said, Lord, I want to make that personal. Lord, I pray that my class, each individual person will bring one. And man, that's ownership right there. That's owning the vision the pastor gave and going after it. And my heart's desire is that that would catch on and that you too would have that same heartfelt desire as Alan did. That is a personal strategy. But we want to give, I want to give, I want to make sure our staff gives you a corporate strategy on how we're going to reach one more. And the way that we're going to do that, we're going to do that on this Friday night. This coming Friday night at 6.30 is our annual leadership training. Uh, we do this every year. It's for teachers, our Sunday school teachers, our assistant teachers, uh, their spouses, uh, anybody that has anything to do with Sunday school in your class, whether you be an outreach leader, an in-reach leader, uh, secretary, whatever you do, we, or your spouse, we want to encourage you to be at our leadership meeting this year because we're going to talk about how we're going to reach that one. That's what we're going to deal with. Again, that's going to be Friday night at 6.30, downstairs, all departments, uh, and uh, we really, really want you to be there. Uh, we're going to talk about that, but we're praying for that. We're asking God, God, how... Uh, are we going to, to do that? We've got that strategy we want to give you. Number two, the second thing we're praying for is worship. Worship. We need to go to one service. need to go to one worship service. I came in this morning, 930, after I'd preached the 815. I was walking down Corridor B right here. I got stopped by a dear church member, and they hugged my neck, and they said, We love you so much, Pastor, and we agree we need one service. We want to fellowship and worship with everybody Everybody together worshiping and praising the Lord. And uh, we, we believe that. Again, ownership of that vision. And it just thrilled my heart to know that, that this individual is praying for that. I want to challenge you to help me. Join with me in that prayer. I also got a lot of information. Several people stopped me and said, hey, did you think about this idea? Did you think about that idea? Did you think about adding a, a balcony in here into this, in this uh, room? I've had that come up several times. And man, I'm open to all of those things. We just need to get a team together and explore those options and, and see what the engineer says or what the architect says in regards to the structure of this current building. But we want to go to one service. I appreciate you joining me in prayer and praying for that. Number three, the third thing I've asked you to pray for is our wild game dinner. We do not have a building as of right now. I'm standing up before you and telling you we do not have a building. Say, well, I wonder why. Well, be honest with you, the economy is, is really good. And businesses are opening, and those empty buildings that were empty are now full. And uh, those that are empty are getting people, they're coming in. And so there's, a, there's a, a window of time that we have. If they say, yes, you can use this building, there's a little window of time that if somebody comes and signs a lease before that 
period, in that time period, then we lose the building. And so um, we need a building. Pe business is doing well, and I praise God for that. I'm thankful for the economy uh, here uh, up in northeast Georgia. But you help me pray for that building. And I said this to the 930 service. I'll say it to you as well. We want whatever building the Lord wants to give us. And, and so we, we need to be prepared for this. Or so what if the Lord gives us a building that only seat? Uh, a thousand. Well, then we thank God for that building and we make it the best and do it with excellence just like we do everything here at Maysville Baptist Church and we just continue to move right on. Uh, if God gives us a building where we can seat 20,000, we praise God for that. And you get on one side, I'll get on the other. We'll yell and echo and yodel together. It'll be a blessing. It'll be real good. But help me pray for that. I'd greatly appreciate that. The Wild Game Dinner. Number four. Here's the fourth thing I ask you to help me pray with. Pray with me about our revival. Pray with me about revival every day. Been praying for revival. On March 24th will be our church-wide revival prep day. That's when John Reed, our evangelist, will come and he'll preach on that day. But he will prepare us for revival. Now, when is our revival date scheduled? Well, the date for revival is scheduled May the 5th through the 8th. May the 5th through the 8th. So you help me. Begin praying now. I can't help it. i got to do something. I can't wait till the 24th. I want to be able to do something. Right now I would already be uh, writing and searching and, and coming up with a 30-day uh, uh, plan to get in place. I'd be getting that together, getting it ready for you. Uh, but John's doing all that this year. So what I want to do is pray, 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 pray every day for revival. And then number five, here's the fifth thing I ask you to join me in prayer, and that's for the gym. Help me pray for the gym. Uh, we have somewhere north of $130,000 cash ready to spend on the interior of the gym. That will finish our education space. No doubt we'll be able to finish that. We just need the permits. I've already shared the reason why we don't have that yet. Uh, the architect that designed the building, um, his son unfortunately committed suicide. It was a very sad, sad thing, and we've been praying for him, and that's kind of backed the process this up just a little bit but we did get a text this week we did get a text saying that they, they should be ready Tuesday see what happens when you pray you pray and then things start happening and so I'm so grateful for that thank you for praying help me pray and we'll pray that those plans come in on Tuesday so what if they come in on Tuesday pastor they go to the county and then the county will approve them and then we will be able to finish when we get those permits all right and then the second thing I ask you to do for vision is not only to pray daily but number two I said attend regularly attend regularly really challenged us as a church to be under the preaching of the Word of God live and also to worship together. Man, wasn't the music good today? I mean, it was so wonderful today. And I'm so grateful for Phil and what he brings to the table in regards to worship. I want everyone to experience that live and to be in live worship. Let me just say this. You saw what happened last week, uh, last Sunday during the invitation. After the church came and prayed, and then the church went back to sit down... The floodgates opened and people just started coming. I ended up giving five different appeals. And thanks be unto God, he's moving. I'm telling you, when God's people pray, God moves in a mighty way. So we want to be known as a people of prayer. And we want to be able to pray together. We want to be able to worship together. So attend regular. Don't listen. Don't tie yourself down so much that you're working the first hour and you're working the second hour in ministry and say, well, I'm working for the Lord those two hours. That's wonderful. I'm so grateful. But don't do that. One of those hours, you need to be in worship. You need to be in worship, hearing your pastor's 
heart. So attend regularly. Number three, the third thing we said. We said invite weekly. Invite weekly. So those of you that heard the message last week, did you invite someone this week? Did you invite them this week? And, and quite possibly if they're here, welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, welcome to Maysville. I'm glad that you're able to attend and you got that personal invitation. If you haven't, again, I challenge you, invite weekly. I'm going to be honest with you. I just was, I had the mully grubs uh, on Monday because after I left you on Sunday night, uh, I had to get up real early in the morning on Monday morning. I had to go down to Coleman, Florida. I had a big appointment down there, and I had to take my mom down there. And So we had an appointment to go down to Coleman, and we went down that way. And just in my heart, I griped and complained. I said, Lord, I just don't understand. i got to go down here. i got to uh, uh, drive eight hours. I've challenged the church to invite somebody. Here it is, uh, Monday the 31st. I should be inviting somebody in the area. I just don't understand. And, man, i just griping and complaining on the inside. Well, we got down to the appointment. I was sitting there uh, the next uh, morning as I was sitting there getting ready to uh, go into the appointment that I had. I got out of the truck, and I was kicking rocks, just upset that where I was at. And uh, I met this individual, this lady who had a, uh, a special needs uh, uh, little girl, and uh, she was there. And uh, I said, well, where are you from? And guess where the lady's from? Gwinnett County. And then I, I said, well, uh, uh, what, what are you, what, what's, your, what's your plan? She said, well, we're wanting to move out of Gwinnett County. I said, where do you want to move? So we're wanting to move to Jefferson. There you are. Did you know I was a pastor? Hey, I'm named Shane, and, you know, and I just invite him to church. And I'm going to be honest with you. The Lord slapped me upside the head. He said, you big dummy, if you'll just listen to me. If you'll surrender to me, if you'll let me use your everyday life, I will put people in your path. I don't care where you're at. I'm going to bring them in your path. So I was able to share with that lady, and I hope that her and her family, they said they're going to come. They're going to come visiting. If you're here today, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, but they wanted to come when they moved, and so we'll see what happens there. But we want to invite weekly, invite someone to attend service with you. Here we go. Let me give you the last three real quick. Here, here they are. Number four, uh, or the first one for today, is to love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Uh, this can be kind of hard. This church does a great job of loving people. You, in fact, that's our purpose, loving God, loving others, and serving the world. And, man, you do a great job. This is a loving, loving church. I want us in 2019 to love one another unconditionally. Now, this can be a little bit challenging. It can be hard because, look, I promise you, during the course of this year, somebody, whether it be a close family member of yours or maybe it might be here at the church, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. You're going to feel snubbed. You're going to feel ignored. You're going to feel like you weren't treated right. I'm going to ask you to lay those feelings uh, aside and to love one another unconditionally. Love like Jesus loved. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, so that ye also love one another. Jesus Christ loved us unconditionally. And he challenges us to love one another unconditionally. So please, I'm asking you not to take personal hurts personally. I'm asking you to show the love of Jesus and love each other unconditionally. We should do that for three reasons. Number one, we should do it, first of all, because God's love is personal. God loved us personally. He loves you warts and all. 
He knows you, yet he still loves you. And it is a personal love. It is a personal love between you and God. You remember that old song, that little song we sang? We sang it in the 815 service. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Man, we ought to love one another because the Bible tells us to love each other. Like Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope maketh us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And the natural outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was given to us because of the love of God is the love that we have for one another. One of the the greatest attribute, the greatest attribute on the fruits of the Spirit is love. That is the greatest attribute, for that is the one thing that God has given us above all other. Is we, he's giving us His love, and it's a personal love. Number two. Second of all, God's love is eternal. God's love is eternal. Time cannot erase uh, the love that God has for you. God loves you, and He will always love you. Romans chapter 8, verse 39 says, No height, nor depth, nor any uh, creature, no things in the past, nor things to come. No, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. God, through Christ, loved us enough. Why? Because it is an eternal love. He loved you in eternal eternity past. He loves you in present, and He will love you in the future. He has a deep, deep love for you. And then lastly, God's love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial. Uh, what's most remarkable about the love of God is that He loves you in spite of your sin. He loves us even though that He knows us, our failures, our brokenness, our worthlessness. He still reached down to us and showed His great love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and I. Man, what a beautiful example we saw the love of Christ today in that 930 service as we had that dear one baptized. It was a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When the water intersected that body of that dear sweet candidate, it was a picture of the cross. When her body went under the water, that was a beautiful picture of the burial of Christ. And as she came up out of the water, what a beautiful picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, we got to see the picture, the testimony, if you would, of what God had did for us, what God has done for us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love was sacrificial. So my point there is this. If we are going to love unconditionally, then we are going to have to love each other sacrificially. Love one another. We must love one another. It's my prayer that we'll be reminded in 2019 how much God loves us and how we are to love one another. I promise you, on the course of 2019, somebody's going to upset you. Somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. Somebody's going to step on your toes. And it might be your pastor. Dear friend, I'm asking you, as Vision 2019, as we continue to make our way in 2019 for the glory of God, being a kingdom-focused church, loving God, loving others, serving the world, may we love one another unconditionally. You do this for me this morning. Turn to that person on your right and say, I love you. Turn to that person on your left and say, I love you too. Isn't it fun talking to the back of people's heads? I want you to look right up here. I want you to look right up here. I want you to say, I love you, Pastor. You ready? 
Oh, I love you too. <laughs> could I just, could I say this? And I, I, uh, I saw, I, <clears throat> I deeply, I deeply love you. Hey. One of the greatest joys in my life is being your pastor. And uh, these last, it'll be five years in August, have been a great joy for me to get to know you. And for you to get to know me, I hope it's been a joy. But I want to tell you that I deeply, deeply love you. And I'm praying for you. And I pray God's blessing on your family this year. Here we are at the first Sunday. Man, you're here. You're here the first Sunday of the year. But let's not make it like our, our gym membership. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, gym membership. You go do it three times and then you're done. It's hard. No, no, no. Let's stay committed. That's why we got this vision. Uh, we've got a vision for 2019. We're in it for the long haul. We're going to love each other unconditionally. Number two. Here's the second thing. If you're keeping a complete score, it should be number five on your refrigerator. But here it is. Share intentionally. Share intentionally. Uh, we see uh, Christ being both intentional and also strategic in his own ministry when it comes to the gospel. Christ was intentional. He lived his life on purpose. He purposefully went to the cross because he loves us. And because of the purposed nature of Jesus, so too he's given to us and passed that purpose on to us that it is our responsibility to evangelize. It's our responsibility to share the gospel. As a matter of fact, there are three really good reasons why we should be evangelizing in our area and wherever we go. Number one, the first reason is obedience. We should evangelize. We should learn to share the gospel, whether it be through faith or any other program or any other opportunity, Romans Road, passing out tracts, whatever the case may be. We should all be committed to evangelism. We should be committed to evangelizing this area and sharing the gospel. You might say, well, I'm a little bit shy. I'm a little bit timid. I, I'm a little bit afraid. That's okay. Those are natural responses inside. But if you'll search your heart, if you're a born-again child of God, down deep inside you somewhere is a deep desire for you to share the gospel. Hey. It's in there. You can't help it. Why? Well, because when Jesus Christ saved you, he changed you. And that change, although many times inhibited by our own personal prison that we put ourselves in, the Holy Spirit has given us the key that we might unlock that cell door and step out free and have the liberty to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. We should share out of obedience. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. The scripture is clear. The Bible says to go. As a matter of fact, that passage of scripture, go, in that passage of scripture, the word go there is in the present tense. It's also in the imperative mood, which means that it is a present tense action verb. You go. As a matter of fact, it is while you are going. After you leave church and while you're going to the restaurant, uh, you should share the gospel. While you are eating your meal and you've got that waiter or waitress that comes up, share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Uh, while you're pumping gas and people come up and, and uh, ask for certain things, Pastor, share the gospel with them. It's a great opportunity to listen and to obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Obedience is the number one reason why we evangelize. Number two, the second reason why we evangelize. People are lost. 
People are lost. We evangelize and share intentionally because people are lost. How many of you know who I'm talking about if I use uh, the term pen and teller? How many of you know who I'm talking about? Pen and teller. Pen and Teller are magicians in Las Vegas. I've never watched one of their shows. I've seen a couple of interviews by them. I've read some articles by Penn, who his name is Penn Gillette. He is an atheist. He proclaims to be an atheist. He's very out there with being an atheist. But he said something that I thought was fascinating about evangelism. Listen to what he said, and I quote from an atheist this morning. Quote, if you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever. And you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them uh, because it would make it a socially awkward position. How much do you have to hate somebody not to share the gospel? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them at all. Well, that's pretty telling. I mean, here's an atheist who says, I'll tell you one of the reasons why I'm not a believer. Because if they really had the key to eternal life, why has nobody told me? If there's so many Christians out there, and all of them have the key. I mean, they, they have the truth. They, they, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you don't share that, then you really don't care about people. You hate people. No, we don't hate people. We love people. And we want to see people born again. But in order for people to be born again, we've got to share the gospel with them. Did you know that there's one thing you can't do in heaven? The one thing you can't do in heaven... You share the gospel. Because they're all saved, right, David? They're all saved. We're going, we are going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's the final, that's the final point in this share intentionally. Uh, the, re, the final reason. Reason number one, obedience. Uh, reason number two, people are lost. Reason number three, because we should share the gospel for the glory of God. The glory of God. Listen to what John Piper said. John Piper said, and I quote, all of history is moving towards one great goal, the white-hot worship of God and His Son among all the peoples of the earth. Missions is not that goal. It's the means. Dear friend, we share the gospel so that we can see people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord so that one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we see gathered around the throne of God, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, all peoples from northeast Georgia, whom we are responsible to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I told my kids during our, our Bible time this week, we, uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, I said, this 2019, this year, uh, and I shared this with our staff, our staff too. I said, we really need to, as a family, realize just because it's not our fault does not mean that it's not our responsibility. Let me give you an example. When I came to you almost five years ago, I didn't take you into, into debt. I didn't do that. I did not lead you into debt. But when I came here, I said, I own it. And I'm going to help us get out. Hey. 
As God is my witness, I'm going to do everything in my power to listen to the Holy Spirit of God to help us get out of debt. Dear friend, it wasn't my fault, but it is my responsibility. The same is true. The same is true with the gospel. Listen, in regards to this issue of the gospel, uh, we might say, well, it's not my fault that he's lost. Well, it may not be your fault that he's lost, but it's your fault that you're lost because you're a sinner. But they all need Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. It's my responsibility to get the gospel out. We are to share intentionally. We are to love unconditionally. And then here's the sixth one. I'm done. I'm going to close after this. I'm just about out of time. The sixth and final thought for our vision 2019 is that we should give consistently. Give consistently. Now, I know some of you, your little analytical antennas may have just went up and said, He's going to talk about giving. He's going to talk about stewardship. Uh, I am. I want to close this series uh, and the vision that God's given me with, for our church with this sixth area. Giving. And we are to give consistently. Many approach the subject of stewardship with long, drawn-out apologies. I've never apologized for my leadership responsibility on this point, uh, and I won't do it. I think that we do people an injustice when we don't invite them to participate in the biblical principles of stewardship. As a matter of fact, uh, greed is one of the biggest obstacles to personal and corporate revival. If I'm praying for revival, then I want to give us every tool necessary that we need in order to experience revival. Uh, and when the back of greed is broken, the human spirit soars into, a, into regions of spiritual awakenings. I'm absolutely amazed at, at how God moves when we are not selfish and we give. And we give first and foremost to God. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about stewardship. And his emphasis is not on our giving by guilt because we have to. Nor is his emphasis on giving with a grudge because we ought to. But his emphasis is upon giving with grace because we want to. We give because we want to. There's a grace within us that gives. He begins uh, in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. He talks about the Macedonian church and how they were naturally generous in their giving. They had what was called grace giving. Several years ago, I was standing out in the lobby, and I had a dear church member come up and shake my hand. Tears running down their eyes, and they said, thank you, Pastor. I said, uh, you're welcome. For What? And they said, thank you for teaching us about grace giving. I said, we've been a member of this church for many years, and we never gave. And the reason why we never gave is because we thought that since we couldn't give 10%, that we shouldn't give anything at all. But you say, according to 1st, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, to pray and ask God, God, what would you have me give? And we give liberally through that means. Hey. And consistently through that means. Did you know that's one of the reasons why our debt's gone down so dramatically over these past five years? Is because you give liberally, some out of sacrifice. What's amazing to me is through your giving, God has done tremendous things. But I'm still in shock how some of you still aren't on board. Some of you still don't give. And some of you use the myths that are out there to hinder what God wants to do in your life. And those myths are hanging you up. Could I give you just a few myths about giving? Myth number one. Only people with money should give. 
You say, well, I don't have any money, preacher. I, I can't give. I, I, I just I don't have any money. Well, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, the Bible says that they gave uh, out of their deep poverty. There was this deep poverty that Macedonians had, and they gave anyway. They gave what they had. Now, I didn't say give all you had. I said pray and ask God what would he have you to give, and then be a cheerful giver and give. Some people say that only people with money should give. Let so-and-so do that. They've got money. And we often explain, if there's any money, if I had any money, then I would give. Well, dear friend, the, the point of the matter is simply this. We ought to first give and watch what God does. Give out of our poverty. Paul says that these people gave out of great trial. They gave out of deep poverty. They gave out of what? They gave out of whatever they had. Uh, the Greek word translated trial there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, is the same word that means purging. It says they looked around and they purged themselves and said, Okay, God, this is what I have. What would you have me to give? Is that 2% of that? Is it 3% of that? Did you know that it's required of the Muslims to give 2%? It's required of Muslims to give 2%. And what's sad is there are many Christians today, they don't even do that. Hey. Listen, I don't know about you. We've got the truth. I think we could do a whole lot better than 2%. Hey. The apostle also says that they gave out of this deep poverty because they loved the Lord. I mean, rock-bottom situations they continued to give. I don't know if you're on Facebook, but I want to encourage you, if you're on Facebook, to read Amy Beck, church, a church member here, dear, dear, sweet lady, her and Ken. I want to encourage you to read her post yesterday. She didn't know that this was one of my, my points, and I'll be honest with you, I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't say I get a little bit nervous when I do have to talk about stewardship. Even though I'm not, apo I'm not apologetic over it, I'm still nervous about doing it. And man, she wrote that yesterday, and man, it was absolutely beautiful what she said. She talked about debt and getting out of debt. And she talked about sticking with a plan and commitment. But she said more than anything, one of the primary things that you've got to be committed to is giving to your church. Hey. Giving to the Lord. You know, we do things around here that we couldn't do without your giving. That's right. The only way we do what we're able to do is through your giving. And we've got to have resources in order to do that. And you are faithful in that. I'm not getting on to anybody. Please, I want you to hear my heart. I'm not getting on to anybody. But if you feel like you're getting on to, why don't you see that as the Lord saying, you know what, you're not giving. You better get on board. But the fact of the matter is we fall for these myths. Dear friend, listen to me. And somebody's going to benefit from this if you'll just hear what the Lord's saying to you. Give something. And give consistently. Number two, myth number two. It's unpleasant to give. Bless God, if you think it's unpleasant to give, you ought to try to preach it. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2 says this, that in a great trial of afflictions, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Some say that it's unpleasant to give. You ought to give to the hurts. I disagree with that. Uh, I enjoy giving. I enjoy giving back to the Lord what he's been so gracious to give to us. And here's what I've learned. That when you give to the Lord, he often meets those needs in unexpected ways. Um, I, it seems to me there's this, uh, and I'm hesitant to say because I don't want it to stop, that um, uh, every now and then uh, somebody will give me a $100 bill. And, uh, and it's different people. It's not consistent. I mean, it's, it's different people. So, Pastor, I don't know. The Lord just laid this on my heart. Uh, he wants you uh, to have it. 
Now, some of you stipulate it, and you say, take your wife out. And I want you to understand, I do that, okay? If you give me and you say, take your wife out, I spend it just like you tell me to do. But sometimes you just give it to me, and uh, there's a reason why you don't tell me, and you don't know this. But the reason over these many, many years, I've been giving out $100 bills to people in need. And through that, and I'm very hesitant to share it, because, again, I don't want it to stop. But God has always blessed. When I give, it always comes back. And I give. It, it, look, I'm just a conduit. I'm just a conduit. It just, it's, it just flows, flows out. Comes in. Wants out. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Bless God, I'd like, to, I'd like to buy something with it. I really would. But the Lord won't let me. He won't let me. Why? Because it is a ministry that the Lord has called me to in helping others. Man, I'm telling you, don't say that you can't give because you don't have the money or it's unpleasant. When you start giving, you realize how pleasant it is. During Christmas, one of the most wonderful things I like to, to do is, is when our kids get their gifts, I like to watch Miriam's face. Now, it's fun to watch the children, but I just watch Miriam's face. Why? Because she, the gift that she picked out and gave to the children. And she is so, she's more excited about the gift than the kids. That, that was kind of the deal with the motorcycle. I was more excited about the dirt bike than the kids were. As I now limp behind the pulpit. Just kidding. Myth number three. Giving results in a lack of resources. Giving results in a lack of resources. Again, 2 Corinthians 8, 2. Uh, just simply says they gave out of their poverty. Their poverty abounded in their riches uh, in their liberality. Some fear that uh, if we give, we'll not have enough for ourselves. How wrong could that be? Can I challenge you in this respect if you're not giving? If you're not giving, don't tip God. Don't tip Him. Get serious with the Lord. You want to live like nobody else? Then you live like nobody else. I, I love what Amy Beck said in that post. She said, you don't need Larry Burkett. You don't need Dave Ramsey. You don't need envelopes. You don't need systems. You just need commitment. Man, that is so true. That's a good word. All we really need is commitment. Be committed and watch what God does as he takes care of you. Myth number four, I can't afford to give. I can't. Man, I've met some folks like this. So I just can't afford it. Oh, you, you can't. Uh, but there are other things that you can't afford. Oh, dear friend, that shows a lack of priorities. The priorities are not in order. No, you can't afford not to give. According to 2 Corinthians 8, 3, the Bible says, and, they and, and beyond their ability, they gave beyond their ability, and they were freely willing to do so. They willingly gave it up as being joyful givers. Some people today, they give in a strange way. They'll sit down, figure out their bills, add up all the bills, uh, provide for incidentals, put a little money in the savings account, uh, some recreation activities. They'll get all that taken care of. And they say, okay, this is what we got left. Let, let's give 3% of this. And then they give the leftovers to God. Oh, dear friend, don't give the leftovers to God. Hey. Give Him the first fruits. Yeah. Uh, there are ministries that go on here that Resources that we're able to do that, you'll, that, that a lot of times we don't know anything about. Let me give you an example. I had a dear church member come to me during the Christmas break and they said, Pastor, we really want to provide a meal for a, for a family in the church. Is there any shut-ins that we might can visit? Well, we, have a, we have a family in our church. Uh, the husband's been bedridden for many, 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 many years. And uh, uh, so I, I gave them that name and, and their address. And they called and set the whole thing up and they went. 
uh, to make the delivery of food. And when they got there to make the delivery, they noticed something. They noticed that only one eye was working on the stove. Only one eye. Uh, this church member came deeply, deeply burdened that here's another church member, members of the same church here at Maysville Baptist Church. There's a deep, deep need here. They need a stove. So he picked up the phone. He called. He said, Pastor, he said, man, they, they really need a stove. God's put it on my heart to buy them a stove, so I'm going to buy them a stove and install it. And I just simply was able to say this. Watch this. I said, man, God's really burdened you by this hat. He said, yes, sir. I said, if you can keep the stove within this price range right here, we have resources from the generous giving of our church. We can help you. We'll pay for the stove if you'll install it. He said, you mean it? I said, I mean it. Let's, if that's what God's put on your heart. He said, he has. And so they went out and they did that. And they got such a rich blessing by doing that. We would not be able to do that if it weren't for your faithful giving. Thank you through your faithfulness that we're able to meet those needs. You never know when you might be in that similar situation. Myth number five. You have to give. Uh, you have to give. Giving must be coerced. No. No, look. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Give, baby, give. The baby's got to live. No, I'm not. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. No. I want, please hear my heart. I want God's best for you. And part of God's best is proper stewardship. And I, I just want God's blessing to be upon you. So give as you've been given. And give consistently. Say, well, all right, I'm just going to give one time. No. No, give consistently and watch what God does. That's enough. I'm tired of preaching about giving. Let me say this. Had it not been for giving and stewardship, we'd not have a way of salvation. God gave the greatest gift of all. And that was... That was the stewardship of his son. He gave us Jesus. And the Bible says, now watch this, you can leave, walk out of here today, and you can walk out of here with joy going, man, pastor brought it today. He has given us six things for us to focus on for 2019. Or you can walk out of here going, bless God. I've come to church one time and he talks about money. You know what that shows? In, shows shows wrong priority. I'm not begging you to give. Bless God, the offering's already done. You ain't got to give. It's all gone. But the fact of the matter is simply this. In 2019, I, I, I really, in my heart, our greatest, greatest years are ahead. You watch. We get this debt continued to pay down. We get that gym built. Let's get the gymnasium part built such where our kids can have some recreation room. And let's get, a, let's get a worship center in there where we can meet, bring everybody together for one service until we can figure out what we want to do in here. All right? We do take care of that. And let's worship together. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. So we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We've got to get from here to there. And God's given me six ways of how we're going to do it. Will you join me in these things? Let's bow for prayer.
Maybe you're here today. and Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, the greatest gift of all. You know, the Bible says that when one person gets saved, the angels rejoice. They celebrate the reception of the gift of eternal life. They don't know about eternal life. They struggle. They, the Bible says that they strain over the banisters of heaven, if you will. They strain looking into the things of salvation, and they rejoice when somebody gets saved. Dear friend, my desire is that you be saved today. And what I mean by that is simply this. I mean that you have the assurance in your heart and in your mind that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. That's, that's my desire today, that you know that. The Bible says in 1 John five thirteen, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So according to the Bible, the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. And the way that you do that is Romans. The Bible says in Romans, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You'll be saved. You'll have that assurance through Jesus. What I'm asking you today is simply this. Will you trust him? Will you trust Jesus as your savior? Say, how might I do that, pastor? Well, it's not a prayer that saves you. You're saved by faith. But the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So dear friend, would you do this from your heart to God's heart? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And this morning I ask you to save me. I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, if you prayed that, would you just slip your hand up and say, I'm, I, I did that today. God bless you. So somebody, just lift it up real high. Say, I, I did that today. I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. Thank you. God bless you. Maybe you're here today and you're saved, but you look at this list of six, and there are some things that you have not been doing in this area. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and give testimony. I'm just going to ask you to make a fresh commitment. Last week, I called for the church to come and to pray. I want to do the same. Here we are, the first Sunday of this year. I want to call the church to come and to pray that God would help us accomplish these six things for 2019. That we would pray daily, attend regularly, Invite weekly, love unconditionally, share intentionally, and give consistently. If you're willing to put your yes on the table, and you're able to come to the altar and kneel, I'm going to ask you to come kneel. If you're able to come and just stand, I'm going to ask you to come stand. I'm just going to ask you to come and just self-commit. Say, I, I'm joining the pastor. I believe this is from the Lord. I want to be a part of it. Would you do that today? So it's going to get kind of cramped down there. Oh, it's good. It's good. Let it get cramped down here. It needs to be cramped in the altar. Would to God that all of us would come and join if we're able. Father, 
have your way in this invitation. This is the vision you've given for 2019. We love you. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.